On today's episode, our Gay and Asian Mixed panel reviews Ang Lee's The Wedding Banquet and discusses the pressure from our parents to get married and produce grandchildren from both an Asian and gay perspective. What up, what up, listeners, and welcome to the brand new relaunched You Better Represent podcast, exploring representation in cinema. Each week we review um, each week we review a minority-led film with members of that underrepresented community and debate a cultural topic plucked from the movie's themes. Just a quick special announcement. We have been uh, mentioning this in each of the past few podcasts, but uh, we do want to thank all the listeners of Rice Asian Movies Podcast. Hopefully you enjoy our new format where we broaden our scope from Asian movies to overall representation in cinema, including LGBTQ movies and movies led by other minority groups. Now, in honor of the end of Asian Heritage Month and the start of Pride Month, this week's movie is both gay and Asian, um, so it is a bit of a super team-up collaboration episode. Um, So joining me today for our show is super talented gay comedian, writer, actor, filmmaker, Robert Watson. Hello, there's no pace like Como. <laughs> <laughs> and returning, of course, you know him from a Rice Asian Movies podcast, um, and he will still be around for our Asian episodes, is Asian writer and comedian, Leonard Chan. Hello, maybe I'll try out this gay stuff because FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so this movie's movie of the week, as I mentioned, is both gay and Asian. It is a historically important film for many reasons. It is the it is Ang Lee's The Wedding Banquet, all the way from 1993. It is about a gay landlord and a female tenant who agree to a marriage of convenience, but his parents arrive to visit and things get out of hand. There's also obviously stuff with his uh, with his gay partner as well, although that <laughs> did not make the synopsis on IMDb for some reason. Ooh. So I'm adding in the gay partner part myself. Wow. Um, they left the white <laughs> guy out of the synopsis. What a, what a world. This is 1993 too. Jeez. Very progressive. Um, so, so, you know, the historical importance of this movie is it is an early film for a prominent filmmaker, of course, in Ang Lee. It is part of his Father Knows Best trilogy, um, together with the films Pushing Hands and Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. And it was co-produced in Taiwan and the United States. It stars Winston Chow as Wai Tung Gao, Michael Lichtenstein as Simon, Mei Chin as Weiwei, and Ah Le Gua and Si Hung Lung as Mr. and Mrs. Gao. It was written, directed, and produced by Ang Lee, um, with, uh, and there's also writing credits for Neil Peng and James Sheamus. This movie, unfortunately, from what I can tell, is available to stream nowhere. Uh, you can't even <laughs> go on iTunes to purchase it. Um, so I, I feel like uh, I, I actually got it on um, on a DVD off of eBay, but then I realized I don't have anything that plays DVDs anymore. Um, so we uh, we obtained it by other means, and you can interpret that as you want. Now, um, one thing that I, I wanted to say is, you know, on, on this podcast, we really had to think about what we do with movies that aren't available because we do want you to be able to watch along with us. Um, but, you know, I, I sort of thought of it two ways. Either we only watch movies that are freely available for everybody on streaming platforms or to rent or purchase. Um, but then that would be depriving us of talking about really important movies. And this way we can maybe shine a light on movies that should be available. Like... If an Ang Lee movie, like somebody who's won an Oscar, if his whole catalog isn't even available for rent, that's crazy. So um, we sort of, you know, we sort of decided it was more important to shine a spotlight. So we do apologize that it's not available, um, but uh, we think it should be available. So we are covering it anyway. And hopefully you are able to find a copy of it um, maybe on eBay. Okay, so uh, with <laughs> with all that aside, let's first head on over to Leonard Chan. And how well did you think the movie represent Asian culture? 
Um, pretty well, I think. Uh, having been to a few Asian weddings, uh, I've seen my fair share of people vomiting afterwards, so that made sense. Um, yeah, you know, was, I mean, yeah, and, and also there is a lot of pressure, like, to have children, uh, a lot of pressure to get married, because family is so huge, right? And that's kind of what this whole thing is, right? It's about the conflict between his parents wanting him to have family, his, like, dad's dying wish is like, I need a grandkid. And, uh, and then, of course, uh, you know, he's gay. So, which doesn't preclude having grandkids, but, you know, I mean. Um, yeah, also, I think what was interesting is, uh, like, the, the f- first of all, like, the parents were great, I think, as actors in this. Uh, the two leads, less so. <laughs> a little strained, I would say. But what was cool is the, uh, the dad was a Taiwanese general, and then I so saw, which makes uh, Wai Tong Taiwanese. And then the uh, uh, Weiwei is from mainland China. So like, ooh, Taiwan and mainland China getting married. How about that? Mm-hmm. So that's interesting little political uh, thing um, where I'm not going to I will neither confirm nor deny whether or not Taiwan is a country. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah that's definitely it, you know i definitely noticed that as well and i was watching with my boyfriend yesterday and i was like i probably bet when this was released to western audiences that um the fact that that his mom called the uh called the wife uh, a mainland chinese uh person is probably um like that subtlety in the relationship um is probably not going to come through as well to to western audiences um, and, uh, now let's head on over to, uh, to Robert. How, now on the gay side of things, how well do you think this represented a uh, gay culture in, I guess in the nineties? Yeah, well, I did have, so, I mean, first of all, I was excited to see that we were, this was an Ang Lee film, of course, knowing Brokeback Mountain being, you know, a watershed, uh, very, very well, uh, accepted by the gay community movie. Uh, and of course, Ang Lee is a, is a straight man who is, putting forward these uh gay storylines and i i did have to keep reminding myself when watching this movie that it's 1993 it's 1993 uh because of course some of the through the eyes of 2021 some of things are 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 pretty glaring uh especially in in where they where they pursue or choose not to pursue the storylines of the relationship between uh wei tong and simon um and uh at the same time, I was really, it, it's 1993, and this was a movie that did not talk about AIDS or HIV. And as a gay man, mm-hmm. uh, watching something from the 90s, that's all I really expected to see was, uh, you know, the different movies where it's like, you know, it's my party, you know, someone throwing their uh, their dying, I'm dying party or, or thing, things like that. So the fact that this didn't have that was actually incredibly refreshing. Uh, from that standpoint, when you think about the fact that it's 1993. Uh, I I wish that this movie celebrated gay culture in the way that it was celebrating Taiwanese culture. Uh, I absolutely loved the wedding banquet uh, scene. I felt like I was an attendee at the wedding watching this. Uh, But I just didn't feel that same kind of connection to the gay characters uh, as a result. Uh, And, uh, you know, the the fact that the... uh, uh, Wei Wei's character was, was given so much prominence, and the character of Simon, who is Wei Tong's actual love interest of five years, is sort of put off to the side. The the way he is, both um, both literally and figuratively in, in the film, was something that you know I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I feel like these are people doing the best they can, considering I don't think there is a, a gay person in the cast or writing or directing. So yeah, that's Why? that was my in, initial oh. impressions of it. Yeah, from from what I can tell. So I do think on the Asian representation side, there was a lot. Obviously, Ang Lee had his hands all over this. It was co-produced in Taiwan. Um, two of the writers were Asian, Ang Lee and Neil Pang. Um, from what I can tell, so Ang Lee and it, it, it's kind of funny because when I look up representation, um, 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 in front of and behind the camera, uh, it's usually easier on the Asian side to tell if somebody's Asian or not. It's a little bit harder to tell if they're gay. But what what I could figure out is that uh, uh, James, Seamus, and Ang Lee are both married to women, and Neil Pang is single, but I don't think he's gay. 
Um, I think he's partially single because he was in jail for uh, 20 years. Uh, he just got out um, for in what? 2016. Um, he he because he so he's uh, he's a huge activist for for LGBTQ rights. So maybe that does make him uh, gay. Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> but he um, he. I mean, if he's he, not gay, he's honorary gay. If he went to prison ally. for 20 years to champion <laughs> LGBTQ rights, yeah, that's an ally. Yeah, <laughs> he's probably got some skin in the game. So to speak, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, that's, that's more than putting up a rainbow on Instagram. You know, what I mean, <laughs> yeah. He, uh, what happened was he, um, he, he alleged um, publicly that these these two officials were being hypocritical um, in the anti-gay laws they were putting forward because he said those two officials were actually gay. Ah, um, he outed it, officials. He Ooh. did, and then they then that sued him for libel, and then. Put him in jail for twenty years. Um, but for, from what I understand, this the story was pitched by James um, to. Oh, actually, did I get the name wrong? Who's the second? James Seamus. Oh no, no. Uh, this was pitched by Neil Peng. So Neil okay. Peng is the one I'm talking about who who is in, who's in jail. Um, mm -hmm. It was pitched by Neil Peng to Ang Lee about a friend of theirs who moved to the U.S. and was in a secret um, same-sex relationship that their parents didn't know about. So. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so Neil Peng, I'm not quite sure. Um, like I said, it's a little bit easier to tell if somebody's Asian <laughs> versus whether they're gay. But um, but from from what I can tell, I my I think he's just like a really hardcore ally. Maybe the most hardcore ally I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> wow. But yeah, he uh, he went. To, he, oh, good lord. Um, yeah. So that was 20 years um, to uh, to call somebody uh, to say that officials were being hypocritical. Um, for enacting these laws, but um, you know, um, which is why this is his only writing credit, unfortunately, because he's probably could have come up with a lot of amazing movies over the years. Um, okay, so uh, transitioning away from that um, sad, tragic story, um, um, now uh, now moving away from representation to like overall movie. You know, both of you are writers. Like, what did you think of the writing? the character arcs, the themes, things like that. Let's first go to Leonard Chan. It was okay, I think. I think, like, they... I, it started as kind of like a light comedy, and then when things, you know, when, when it developed, when they're like, oh, we're going to get married and do this whole thing, it's like, oh, this is going to be like the birdcage. Okay. It's like... <laughs> it's going to be very le cage au fond or whatever. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, and then you got the, all these like little moments of fakery where they have to like take down all like the gay stuff, put up all the traditional Chinese stuff, you know, like. Uh, so there's like little comic moments that were good, but a lot of it was like kind of predicated on coincidences too, which I don't like. Like he's just walking. First of all, you're in like New York and you're just running into everybody you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that doesn't happen. Uh, and it was like super clunky, like how they dealt with Simon, like the, uh, you know. The, the the lover the actual gay lover who then they're like he's my roommate and landlord and like and then he's now he's just everywhere all the time uh and just unexplained and everybody just accepts that he's around <laughs> um so yeah i mean i think it ended up like it ended up better than i expected um but at the same time yeah like i think like this like, the story was kind of, like, mechanical almost in a way. Like, it wasn't, like, anything that was, like, oh, this is blowing me out of the, you know. Uh, mm. I mean, they did have some good twists. Like, the pregnancy thing, I actually didn't see that coming, which was uh, which was, which was was good. Also, uh, <laughs> consent, apparently. He said no. <laughs> she went in anyways. Okay. 1993. <laughs> Different times. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and I did like, and, and actually I didn't say before, but regarding representation is actually, you never see like interracial couples with a male Asian lead. <laughs> like it's, mm -hmm. yeah. Like, like, I mean, there was still a white guy, but at least in this case, <laughs> the Asian was also male, which is nice. Uh, because yeah, like you don't ever see that like with a male female, like interracial relationship that never happens. It happened like, it's happened like three or four times, I guess in the history of television and cinema. So, uh, anyways, that was a dip back into representation. But yeah, in terms of the writing, it was it was okay. Um, but like, yeah, I wouldn't say like, uh, 
It was like the best thing Ang Lee's ever done. <laughs> okay, and uh, let's head on over to Robert. What are what are your thoughts overall about writing, structure, themes, and story? Okay, well, first of all, I've I've been been to New York a couple of times on visits, and it is amazing how many people you end up bumping into that you know in New York <laughs> when you go. So I, I I found that actually pretty believable. It's like city of you know what ten million, twenty million people, and it's like oh, you still bump into the people that that on the street uh, that you know. Uh, so I'm I'm going to challenge you on that one there, Leonard. But um, okay. Uh, but overall, I, you know, like it's 1993, so I did try to watch it through those eyes. But there, I mean, I had some uh, emotional reactions to things that I just thought wouldn't. I was like, I don't think that would happen. Like, uh, you know, uh, the fact that the the partner Simon uh, is so long suffering in this uh, after the parents' stay extends from like two weeks to the point where they know that Weiwei is pregnant. I'm like, okay, they have overstayed their welcome, first of all. Um, I mean, if I were... Although, I will say, to be fair, to be fair, though, it was Simon's idea for this to happen, right? None of it would have happened if he hadn't instigated the whole thing in the first place. I think he probably felt responsible for it, and he couldn't be like, okay, now let's pull the plug. Yeah, he was having some right? serious buyer's remorse, I think, by the end of this. I mean, if it were me, and, sure. and I had to be a part of this, and there was this ruse, I'd be like, okay, I'm going go, uh, to go out to Provincetown for a month and a half, and I'll come back when this whole trip is this whole trip from your parents is over. That's what I would have done if I were Simon, first of all. <laughs> yeah, um, parents are gone, new baby on the way. Weird, what the hell happened when I was gone? <laughs> And hey, you know, that would have been great for, for Wei Tong too. He wouldn't have to explain as much, you know. But then again, that doesn't progress the movie in the way that that uh, they wanted to. I guess for me, the hardest uh, pill to swallow on this was was the, the wedding night itself and watching uh, Wei Tong and the seduction from, from Wei Wei. Because, um, like, and, and even the lines really sat wrong because she, she talks about how she was going to liberate him. And, like, what does that mean? Liberate him from his gayness? Like, I don't get it. Uh, and then I go, it's 1993. It's 1993. And I just kept saying that to myself and things got better. Um, but, uh, you know, like, the, like I said, I love the, like the group scenes, the, the cinematography. I mean, Ang Lee's known for all of the, all of this and like the, just watching that wedding banquet, uh, roll out the way to this. I was like, what, what would, what would this movie be like if they could have shown gay culture, uh, celebrating itself in the same way? And what a great culture shock that could be then for, uh, the parents to, to have seen. So I do feel like there were some missed opportunities in regards to that. Uh, the acting, I mean, I thought that Winston Chow, I, I thought that maybe he was directed strangely because I don't feel like, uh, I, like he would, it, it was so stilted and wooden at times. It was like, okay, I'm, I'm being a gay man that doesn't embrace my gayness, and it just came out as uh, as sort of wooden for me. Um, and uh, th then, but then again, the acting performances of the parents, I you know, I loved them despite the fact that they they were, you know, homophobic. And uh, and uh, you know, the 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 thing at the end where it's like, you know, we all know that uh, uh, Wei Tong is, is gay, but we're all gonna just keep the lie going. Which I found I found fascinating in a way, but also like I was like, but everyone knows. Why are you doing that? You know. <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, I guess better. Like, there's so many cultural movies that that tackle this idea. Um, you know, that things outside of like mainstream Hollywood white culture, where you know we got you know, movies like Mambo Italiano, Touch of Pink, things dealing with uh, looking at things from a different cultural aspect towards homosexuality. And I thought I thought actually this was from you know my limited knowledge. I was like, this feels on the mark to me. I feel like the tradition that is being um, emphasized from these parents really gives that a, a, a real feeling to it. But uh, you know, the the I just wish there was more gayness. Is that what I'm what saying, do you, no. Rob? What do you think this movie would have looked like if they made uh, Y Tong's coming out to his mother the midpoint of the film, as opposed to like near the resolution? Because it was like midway through the third act, I think, when the, he did that. Like, what if they did yeah. that like in the middle? I, I did actually wish that a lot of the action happened sooner because I did feel like it prolonged the movie yeah. to a point where I was like, okay, like, like I, I could, I, I believe it was, uh, it was adapted from, was it adapted from a novel or was it just a screenplay? Because it, it felt episodic almost in nature and how like they would get to one part and go to the next and. Uh, it almost could have been uh, broken up into a mini series the way that that writing is. And I agree with you if they 
if they had come out with that sooner then again they were deciding not like they i feel like they decided like a quarter of the way through the film that it wasn't a comedy anymore and so everything just took a serious turn yeah. and it was like you were watching a melodrama instead of a comedy uh, definitely by that point because there's just so much crying so much like <sighs> like a lot of yeah. wringing of hands a lot of unhappiness in general you know so I was like I don't I'm not seeing the comedy right now but yeah. you know yeah all the lightness happened at the beginning and then probably by the end probably by like f- five minutes into the second act it was like alright we're done with the jokes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're on to like just uh, white tongue looking real sad to be there all the time. <laughs> yeah, like the wedding was the last moment of joy of the entire film, I thought. Uh, and, and everything was just sort of like, we're all yeah. dealing with shit now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, what did funny. you think of that moment when like the dad gave Simon like that big bundle of... Also, so much money. <laughs> like, it's just mm. this, yeah, that was a nice. stack of $100 bills. I was like, I'm willing but, to forgive uh, your homophobia because of that nice stack of money. Uh, <laughs> well, the, but this is the thing that, that, like, the fact that he knew and he wants, he's like, it's still better to perpetuate the lie. Every single one of them thought that it was better to perpetuate the lie, even though they all know the truth. And I found that fascinating from the point of view of, like, yeah. I could see families doing this, but at, of course, oh, yeah. incredibly That's... frustrating. Yeah, but that's definitely representative of Asian culture. Like, uh, yeah, I, I be- yeah, like one hundred percent, I believe. Like, that. I had so, yeah. a, I mean, so many times. Like, I, I, I have a bunch of like Asian gay friends, and their parents are just like, they're just roommates. They're roommates. <laughs> yeah. They're just by. Like, and up until the <laughs> wedding, I think they were just like, okay, well, now we can't deny this. <laughs> they're they're just roommates getting married and having a child, you know. <laughs> so it's kind of funny i feel like i was maybe maybe because like the historical context i watched the movie a little bit differently because so the father knows best trilogy the only um common people between all three movies is ang lee and and uh si hung lung who plays the father so i was actually watching it through the lens of the father and i do think like some of the writing and the character arcs for like the quote-unquote main main characters isn't so great but actually if you watch the movie through the eyes of the father and 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 especially watch it a second time like the way that Ang Lee directs it, it's very clear, like, the trajectory of the father learning and then finding um, finding um, acceptance and even um, embracing um, that his son is gay and this is his gay lover. Um, and the fact that I, I do feel like that kind of represents how, you know, that that's similar to, like, with my dad. It's like he's never come out and said that he, you know, is accepting or embracing of my gayness. But I hear that he's told other people and he's done other things, even though he won't tell me verbally. So I was like, okay, so this is like, I, maybe I just sort of like projected my own relationship with my dad on it because it's like, you know, in like, you know, it, it's very clear in his journey that still number one for him is is grandchildren. Like if, if you go from the beginning, even as he's starting to realize it, like, and he realizes obviously way earlier than the mom and the mom never really gets it. And he's like, his number one goal is grandchildren. <laughs> and so even when the mom is like, um, is, is saying negative things about, about, about way, way about how she's a mainlander, about how she's not of a certain class. He's like, he, he already realizes and he's like trying to shut her down being like, listen, it doesn't matter as long as she has childbearing hips. Like this is, a fake marriage anyway. So like, if you go back and watch it through that lens and they make it very clear, he's like this genius um, general who picks up on clues. And in the scenes, you actually see him looking and like, Hmm. he, he, he just does like really subtle things to show you his progression as a character. And I think in that way, it is kind of like, you know, created for like an Asian audience because like you would like, that whole representation of like you're not gonna say it, but they basically gave him like a full character arc like in the background, 
Um, and then even 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 that part where you know I, I think where they tried to make it super obvious for people um, was when he basically like walked in on them like you know in in the bedroom and like he 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 just pretended like that he needed help um, <laughs> uh, pumping the thing into his arm where like clearly like if he had been following up to his character arc up until then of like clearly this guy is known for a very long time like it really flips the scene of like, okay, he clearly walked in on them, but he like, he's going to like play it off. Um, so I, I do feel like, like Ang Lee's subtlety and just the way it plays into the whole trilogy. To me, the movie is more about the dad and like it's for representation. I do feel like that does really represent even like, cause I think like my dad is one of the most like, you know, I, like I'm lucky as far as like he he's so supportive, um, probably as supportive as any Asian dad would be for you know finding out that their their son is gay, but it's still very similar. Like he'll never say it out loud, but he'll he'll do things like you know I don't know if he's ever given my partner's money or anything or had conversations with them, but he'll just do little things like make sure there's like flowers when my partner comes or well you know it's just it's it's things like that and. I do think if you look at it from like the father's knows best trilogy and just really follow the father, I think it is like an epically well directed and done movie. If you take it from like the lead characters, yeah, they were kind of wooden. The story was kind of weird. They sidelined the gay guy. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> so it, it was a little bit weird. Um, and obviously I was a bit like triggered slash traumatized by the whole, you know, um, getting her pregnant, lack of consent. That's basically like every gay man's nightmare is to be like kind of, you know, drunk or drugged up and then like, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, then next thing you know, you've impregnated somebody. That's, I don't I don't even know what bigger nightmare could trigger. Um, I've never men. even I mean, I mean, by the way, this. by the way, that's not, yeah, that's not a good now. <laughs> that's not a dream for straight guys either. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, obviously, way more, you know, a lot more conflict on your end, but I wouldn't like it either. <laughs> yeah, that's not, that wasn't my nightmare before, but now it is. Oh my God. I haven't, I, that never entered my mind that someone tried to do that to me. Um, yeah, I mean, that's one of the nice things about, about being gay is like you don't have pregnancy scares. <laughs> I mean, we got a lot of other things. Uh, oh, you have tons of other things, <laughs> but that's like one, one, one like, thing. In, in thank in goodness, not that. In addition to exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so just to, to wrap up our our first segment, the review. Um, what are your final thoughts? And generally, what I ask for final thoughts is: Would you recommend this movie? Did it do enough to make you? want to see the other movies in the trilogy um let's first go to uh let's switch it up let's go to robert this time first yeah well uh, you know what if you are uh an asian gay man with parents uh like the parents as well you should absolutely show them this movie because it'll start a conversation uh <laughs> i mean i think you know like i said my mantra was watching this it's 1993 it's 1993 and i do think that it represents uh where our culture was at uh at that time in regards to uh its opinions on uh homosexuality uh and especially like people who are trying to show a positive side of of gay life um, it's something that was palatable for heterosexuals to digest. I do believe that this movie uh, did take that direction, um, which, you know, to Angley's credit on Brokeback Mountain, he wasn't there to please any of the straight people, I don't think, with that movie in the same way. But um, <laughs> like I, I, this movie does represent, I think it should uh, it should definitely be watched uh, like I, I, there's this there's this sort of term like a gay movie for straight people. And I feel like uh, this intent is to help maybe at that time change uh, straight people's minds. So I think it actually represents our gay culture and selling it to people who aren't comfortable with it reasonably well. So I'm going to say that it does represent reasonably well with the caveat that, it, you know, it's 1993. Yeah, I, I think I think, too, as like an important movie in the back catalog of such a prominent director, you really see his progression from this over to where he got to with Brokeback Mountain because there are also like a lot of common themes here that he explores if you know like a gay man who maybe is still wrestling with his own acceptance um, of, of his being gay and how he's uh, you know not fully embracing it um, so yeah I, I, 
I do think in historical context, it's an important film, and I think it is crazy that it's not even available in North yeah. America to rent on any digital platforms. I think that is, that's wild. Um, now let's, uh, let's go to Leonard Chan for your final thoughts on the film. Um, yeah, I mean, I generally thought it was a good movie. I, uh, obviously not Ang Lee's best work, <laughs> um, but important, I think. Uh, would I recommend it? I mean, I think I would recommend it to like a subset of people that I know. I don't think it's like a broad general recommendation for everybody. I'm curious if my parents have seen it because I should ask mm. them. Uh, because, you know, they they generally cheer on Ang Lee. I remember like when Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was like in the... <laughs> like, it was su- like it was such a moment for them. They're, it's like, you know, when like China starts winning medals at the Olympics, like for them, they was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> he might win an Oscar. Uh, so we yeah, the I'm, same way so when I'm... Tom Daly competes in diving. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah. Or how about uh, Greg Luganis? Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, that predates even this movie. So yeah, we're that going, works. Exa- a, I know we're going. That's we're a going reference over. that would work in this movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because uh, yeah, for me, 1993. Like obviously, I wasn't thinking about this stuff. 1993. The only thing I recall was the Blue Jays winning the World Series. Right? That was like the last time. <laughs> You know, when I was thinking about balls in 1993, that's what I was thinking about. So, (laughs) (laughs) I'm dying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, uh, you know, I think uh, I can't speak to how well represented gay culture. I mean, I think you guys have spoken to that. But in terms of like how well represented Asian culture, I think it did a pretty good job, uh, which makes sense because i i mean two of the writers were asian and <laughs> one of them was maybe gay so <laughs> maybe <laughs> and uh and then james Seamus was probably like uh like poor poor simon where he was just like off to the side and he's just there <laughs> he's like I don't, well, I don't know what this guy's doing here but you know whatever eventually but i'm we'll the writer <laughs> But I'm the writer, which is, by the way, is so standard for all writers where we're just there and nobody understands why or what we're doing and nobody cares. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's just what it is like to be a writer. Um, so, yeah, no, I think, uh, I think it was good. I think it was good. I think, again, I would recommend to a subset of people. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to watch the other two. Maybe. Maybe. If I have time. Yeah, I would definitely recommend it specifically to, especially if you're both gay and Asian. I, I actually do think um, you sort of get the, the the best of both worlds here. Um, and I would say definitely watch the whole trilogy. And if you're watching this movie, I'd actually recommend you watch it twice because I do think after the twist, it does kind of change the way you see it. And I would say, you know, just think of it as a movie about a father's acceptance and embrace of his son's homosexuality while still, you know, never really relenting that still number one is the grandkid. So I, I, I do like that they didn't make him like, you know, uh, he, he, he still never left that part. It was like, yeah, everything's good. You know, here's the money. You're, you're my son too. But, uh, you know, give me that damn grandchild. So uh, I, I do think that was very representative of Asians. It's like, you know, like... You know, it, it's great for parents to come around and be supportive, but they definitely still keep the main thing, the main thing, which is uh, which is grandchildren. And uh, that, that wraps it up for our first segment, the review. And actually, that leads in very well to our second segment. We're going we're gonna to take our a very short break, but our second segment, we um, talk about a theme that or we um, we talk about a topic that is plucked straight from the movie's themes. And this week's debate topic is the pressure we feel from our parents to get married and or produce grandchildren, um, both from a, an Asian perspective and a gay perspective. We will be right back. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, listeners. We are now going to start our second segment where we uh, debate a topic that is plucked straight from the movie's themes. And, of course, this week's movie was Ang Lee's The Wedding Banquet. And the topic is about a pressure that we feel from our parents to get married and produce grandchildren. So uh, let's first head on over to Robert Watson. Uh, Did you feel a pressure to get married or produce grandchildren um, from your parents, and did your uh, coming out and being gay uh, change that conversation? It's so interesting. I so my I asked my mom uh, after I, a while after I'd come out. I said, "When did you first think that I might be gay?" And she said, "Well, you're about three years old." And I was like, "Wow, okay." Um, so and weirdly enough, like that's what I don't recall any real pressure from uh, from my parents. I came out to them at, at 21. Um, and, uh, prior to that, there wasn't really that much, uh, talk about me getting married and having kids and stuff like that. But the religion that I grew up in, uh, Mormonism really likes you to get married and to have lots and lots of kids. So, uh, Mm. I did feel that, um, the pressure I uh, actually got more as a young man in the Mormon church was like, you're going to go on that two year mission and you're going to convert a lot of people, aren't you? And I was like, uh... Maybe like, I mean, the amount of more like think about a Mormon mission. It's two guys hanging out day in day out. You're not allowed to really be talk to women at all. And you're like with another guy doing that knocking on door stuff. But you're with that same guy like every all day every day. And I was like, this is not gonna be a good scene if I do that uh, in any way. Just like you converted people, but not to Mormonism. Yeah, well, you know, it's like, it's like the suppression or like I, I heard about so many Mormon missionaries that would come back uh, from their mission and they were like, I'm gay. And I was like, I wonder how that happened. Was it maybe the fact that you were only around men all the time? Because, uh, you know, I mean, obviously <laughs> the, it's there already. But it was like, you know, if you're going to be around only men all the time, I mean, actually, why didn't I want to go on a mission? Now I'm wondering why I didn't want to go. <laughs> It just like it, a, it starts so. with missionary, Robert. It starts with missionary. <laughs> yeah, see, uh, but um, so no, I, I I I felt pressure from my religion to do a whole bunch of things I didn't really want to do, and luckily I uh, had figured that out early enough to know. Yeah, I, I, but I do want to say one quick thing. I think that this idea now that you know it's easy for gay people to have kids, like, oh, it's no, no difference. You can still give us give us grandchildren. Talk to some gay male couples. It's really not that easy. I mean. There was a while my husband and I were trying for a long time. We still couldn't have a baby, um, but it's a lot of it, like it's a lot of work and a lot of money. So uh, it's interesting to see people putting pressure on their gay children to have kids because it's like you know like that's that's going to cost a bit. Um, that's where my mind went, anyways. But uh, I was very lucky uh, in regards to not receiving that pressure, uh, and particularly because my my worldview sees me not having kids. I was very happy about that. Um, so that's what I have to say about that, I guess. <laughs> and uh, and Leonard, I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on this, of uh, whether you felt pressure from your parents to get married, produce grandchildren. I know you got married a bit later in life compared to most uh, most Asian men. Um, and uh, and you were you were together for, for over a decade before you got married. I, I can't yeah. imagine what type of pressure you were feeling from your parents. Um, my parents were, they weren't really pushing me at all. Uh, and neither did my my wife until like we hit the decade mark. At which point she was like, "Okay, uh, <laughs> understandable." But in my mind, like we bought a house before we got married, and I was like, "That's a much bigger commitment, buying a house." And she yeah. was just like, oh, "Well, we have the house. Like, are we getting married? Like, where's my ring?" I was like, "Bitch, I just bought you a house. I can't afford a ring. Like, what are you talking about?" <laughs> and uh, so. In terms of the grandkids thing, I think for a little while, 
My, I think my parents, yeah, no, for sure they wanted grandkids. Like, we would go out to, like, big family dinners, and, like, my dad would, like, take, like, my cousin's kid and, like, shove it in my face and be like, I want one of these! <laughs> Give me one of these! And I'll be like, I'll just distract my cousin and take that one. <laughs> she won't notice. She might welcome the disappearance of her child. Uh, and so, yeah, it just didn't, you know, and it never worked out. Like we did try for a little while, um, you know, and that did, uh, and that it was horrible. Uh, <laughs> I mean, first of all, like we we're already like in our mid thirties, right? So when we started trying, and I know, like, and my parents knew that. I think my parents knew that we were trying because, like, we wanted to like give them some hope, I guess, make them feel like make them feel like we at least made an attempt. You know, we tried to make you happy. We did. You know, like, you know, we were probably like 36, 37. We were, it was later in life. And I think, and we both, oh, we both got like, to, went to the fertility clinic, like got tested, made sure everything was, all the plumbing was working. Cause I was like, look, I don't want to have sex with you for a year for like no reason, you know? And, um, <laughs> <laughs> there has to be a point. <laughs> Um, yeah, and it was brutal. And then, so, I don't know, I think part of it is, like, it's not just Asian parents, it's, like, society as a whole, right? Asian parents more than, I would say, I would say, like, Asian parents are above the median on society in terms of pressuring children to have kids, but I think it's just a general thing, right? And, in fact, I was just talking with a friend of mine recently, and she's single, no kids, you know, just working, whatever, lives by herself, and then... You know, never got married. And she was like, maybe, like, something's wrong with me because, like, society is telling me to do all these things and I haven't done any of these things. I was like, what, do you want any of these things? She was like, well, no. And I was like, well, isn't it better that you don't have any of these things? Because there's, like, so many more people who never wanted kids, never want to get married, and now they're married with kids and they fucking hate it. Like, there's so many more people on that end of the spectrum than the people who are like, I didn't want it and I don't have it. I'm a little, I feel weird that I don't, but it's better right but that's better so i don't know i uh so yeah my parents did at the beginning they put a little bit of pressure on me and then at the end they were just i think at the end when they started seeing like where the world was going to <laughs> i think like in the last 10 years like shit has looked worse and worse and worse and my parents were like maybe i was good that you didn't bring more life into this shit world uh, <laughs> yeah yeah definitely it, for me it was interesting so um, you know, big surprise to me was when I came out, my parents were shocked. Everybody was shocked, I, I, which shocked me because I thought I was like the gayest kid ever. Yeah. Um, and you came out in the newspaper. Yeah. That's I how good Vong is at marketing and PR. Like he came out <laughs> in the newspaper. <laughs> like it made the news. <laughs> front page, front page, actually. It, 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 it did make the front page. Um, but um, it, uh, yeah, I didn't think I was really hiding my gayness that well. In fact, I felt like I was purposely dropping clues. But so they were really surprised. So I do think it kind of shattered their dreams um, a little bit um, with the marriage thing. Um, I think, you know, but, you know, they actually did come around pretty quickly because at the same time, so when I came out, I actually timed, doesn't sound so mean, I timed my coming out to my parents with my sister announcing her divorce. And we actually told them at the same time <laughs> because, so. That's amazing. And, and so this was the day before the newspaper article. So I, I did like. The newspaper article was like my deadline, but then I, I knew a few people. If, if you don't tell them in person, they find out the newspaper, they'll like never forgive you. So I did sit down with certain people, obviously my parents. And um, yeah, honestly, it was a joint, um, it was a joint announcement with my sister. Um, so uh, <laughs> it, and you know, it doesn't sound as awful as it is. So you know, with, with my mom in particular, she she always needs something to worry about. But if she only has one thing, she really, really just, it just takes over her brain in her life. But if there's multiple things, I actually think it helped her move on past both of them because she can, like, 
you know, as upset as she got about something, she'd have to be like, but wait a minute, there's also this other thing I need to deal with. And, you know, so what we're saying is we we did them a favor, maybe, maybe not. Um, but that was sort of how we how we justified it. Um, so I do think, you know, they did want me to get married for sure. Um, but I think because it was announced that my sister's divorced and they had uh, basically forced my sister into marriage at like 15 years old because she... Um, she was quote unquote caught walking down the street holding hands with a boy, <gasps> and so that brought shame upon our community. So then, of course, they had to get married because you can't publicly hold hands. Anyway, wow. so then they were starting to see, okay, wait a minute, maybe that wow. wasn't the best decision. So when I came <laughs> out, you know, they did want me to get married, but I think because they saw the last time they forced somebody to get married, it didn't really go so well. I think they were more open. And they actually transitioned pretty quickly to, um, they were like, okay, well, if you're gay, then you should just marry one of your cousins so she can come over and live in Canada. Because they're like, <laughs> because like, that is so Asian. <laughs> yeah, they were, they're just like very practical. They're like, okay, cool. You're gay. We've gone over it now. We embrace you. You know, we love your boyfriend, but you know, you're probably not getting married. So let's. Let's not waste that. Let's not waste that marriage. Let's wow. bring somebody over from the old country. Let's get out of so, jail free card. <laughs> yeah, so that's where that went. Um, and with the grandchildren thing, I was lucky in some ways because I've got three older sisters. They've all produced grandchildren, and I'm the youngest. So, you know, they've, they've already got their hands full with babysitting and stuff. Uh, I do think the one thing that makes them sad is because, you know, because of the patriarchal society we live in, um, all the grandchildren, like none of them are carrying on the family name. And because I won't have children, like basically the name is going to die <laughs> with like one one generation in Canada. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, you know, that's a whole other subject. But I do think the idea of like the baby taking um, the dad's name is something that uh, Westerners really have to rethink. Um, and just for our, our white audiences, just to uh, just to uh, you know um, to uh, to go by our um, our mantra of of uh, of of, of uh, don't hate educate. Um, I think the reason the reason why why I say this is uh, in a lot of Asian countries, it's actually not obvious that the child takes the um, the father's name. It um, the child actually takes the more prominent name, so it's mm. much more practical. It's like if if the wife is from like a really prominent family, why wouldn't you want to give the advantage of having that last name to the child? Mm -hmm. Like, what's this weird system of giving them like the dad's name if the dad is like some weird random person yeah. who nobody's <laughs> ever heard of? Ar so Arnold should have become. It a is candidate. very practical. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it, it, it is much more practical, and, you know, maybe that takes some humanity out of it, but I, I do think it's a better system than, you know, automatically take the take the man's name. I had a, um, I had a friend, he had kids, and then uh, they and his parents were so upset because he didn't give the kids his last name. Uh, and, you know, being Asian, they're like, what the hell, man? Like, you got to carry the name. And he was like, I have daughters, and our last name is Ho. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like i'm not sending him to school named ho like that's you can't you just can't do it <laughs> yeah there you go see i like the practicality i feel like every couple should sit down and think who has the better name yeah. for lots of reasons whether it's the kids will get made fun of in school this name has a more prominent history like i feel like that's a conversation that should be had in north america but anyway back to my parents they they, they are kind of sad for me, so I never wanted kids on my own, but I will say I was jealous of a few of my gay friends who were asked to donate sperm to lesbian couples. Like, I am, both of you guys know, I'm like, you know, pretty egotistical. Um, <laughs> and so for me, it's just the more, I do think it's kind of sad that with, you know, my genes, like clearly there's something special here um, <laughs> that they're not going to be passed on. So I was like, I don't want to raise any babies, but I feel like, you know, somebody should, you know, be blessed with these genes. And I was like, what? Go, go, to a a bank. go to a sperm bank, make a deposit. <laughs> I was like, well, uh, you, you know, I, 
that, that's one way, but I kind of do want to, like, from a distance, see, like, the little kid genius sort of grow up. Um, <laughs> just without the responsibilities. So yeah. You'll just hear, uh, it's like, oh, my God, there's this half, half Asian kid who's, who's really good at badminton. Oh, my God. That, is that mine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for me, I would say they're, they're you know, I, and I am putting it out there as a, as a little bit of a joke, but actually I'm being a little bit serious. I, I do, if there's a lesbian couple who wants my sperm, I would totally, totally want my genetics to carry forward. Yeah. Um, uh, we're going to have a sign-up sheet after the show. Uh, <laughs> you can just, just line up uh, and Long will, uh, you know hand deliver i don't know i don't know what the deal is with <laughs> and i'm just staying silent because i i don't share in that i'm like i don't need to see like honestly i think i'm enough as it is in regards to what mm. my husband has to deal with or what anyone would have to deal with so <laughs> i another like putting a little me out into the world i'm like oh i don't think i want to do that to the world um <laughs> but yeah. uh, good for you Vaughn, for you wanting know- to yeah. You know it's funny. You know how egotistical I am that I even looked into cloning. So I was like, well, why do I like wow. who like if I donate my sperm, then like my genes are gonna get like watered down and maybe oh they won't be as special. You know, you're like yes. Serpentor. So... You're Serpentor. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I I have looked into cloning, um, oh but I just don't. What, wait, what did you it, discover? So. Like what? What, well, that it's a I, bad I, idea. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Dolly. <laughs> yeah, I honestly, if I had the means to do it, I probably would, um, as long as I could find in like, like an adoptive couple, because that's how obsessed I am with my uh, with my own genes. I know it, it sounds. Listen, I feel like I'm not the only one. I'm just one of the only people. <laughs> to publicly admit how egotistical they are. I just, like, really embrace it. And there is a part of me that's like, you know, when you're this awesome, <laughs> the, gene, the gene should carry forward. He wants to pass like, on his I, gene shorts. <laughs> well, well, folks, you all know where to find Vong on his socials. And if you do have that womb that you want to have uh, just – Putting forth little vongs into the world, uh, you know where to reach him. So uh, yeah, go go nuts, everyone. But it better be a nice womb, you know, because vong yeah. doesn't accept. I mean, it's a, a womb with a view, you know. Like... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I feel like I should end this before I get myself into any more trouble. But uh, thank you to everybody for listening, especially the listeners from Rice who are um, coming along with us on the journey as we switch um, or broaden our scope to overall representation. We really appreciate that you have come along with us. To our new listeners, um, you know, welcome to the podcast. I also want to give a shout out to Spotify, who is featuring us um, this month in their social media and I think a newsletter and a few other things. So thank you to Spotify. If you found us through Spotify, then uh, welcome, welcome aboard. Everybody's welcome. Um, so uh, now uh, that pretty much wraps it up. Um, I want to thank our co-host for today, our mixed panelist, uh, Robert Watson and Leonard Chan. And uh, I'm your host, Vong Show, official spokesperson for Gay Super Cute Asians, come back and listen to us next week. And that's what's up. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.